I want to talk to you about the fear of the Lord today. The title of my message is The Fear of the Lord is Not What You Think. The Fear of the Lord is actually the most widely and grossly misunderstood concept of the Christian faith. And I believe today the Lord will provide some clarity on this most important topic. Turn with me in your Bibles if you have them or on your phones or tablets to Exodus chapter 20. We're just going to look at a few verses here in Exodus chapter 20, beginning at verse 18. Exodus 20, verses 18 through 21. This is what it says. When the people saw the thundering and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled in fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Father, I pray today in the name of the Lord Jesus that you'd speak to us mightily by the power of your word and spirit. We give you praise and we ask you to give us understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. The fear of the Lord is a problem. And the fear of the Lord is a problem because of two verses of Scripture. The first is found in, what is it, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says, God has not given us a spirit of bondage again to fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. And the second problematic verse is, what is it, 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, where John says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And these two verses of Scripture have caused a lot of people and even a lot of preachers and a lot of teachers in the body of Christ to proclaim that the fear of the Lord is an Old Testament construct that we must do away with as New Testament believers in Jesus Christ. That if you still fear the Lord, you have not been perfected in love. And so a lot of people have thrown out the fear of the Lord from their vocabulary, thrown it out of their understanding of the right experience of their Christian faith. But that's problematic because, number one, the concept of the fear of the Lord is so key to the Old Testament and secondly, it continues even to, into the New Testament. We see, first of all, in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. Actually, before that, Psalm chapter 111, verse 10, I believe it is. Psalm 111:10. the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, meaning that if you don't have the fear of the Lord, you ain't got no wisdom. And the only path toward wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And then Proverbs 1.7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And so if you don't have the fear of the Lord, you got no wisdom and you got no knowledge. And then in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 27, the scripture says, the fear of the Lord adds length to life. 
but the years of the wicked are cut short. And what we see in this verse is that there's a distinction between those who fear the Lord and the wicked, meaning those who have no fear of God are wicked. Further, there's Proverbs 16, 16. The end of this verse says, through the fear of the Lord, evil is avoided. Another uh, translation of this verse says, by the fear of the Lord, one departs from iniquity. So if you don't have the fear of the Lord, you can't depart from iniquity. The fear of the Lord causes one to depart from from iniquity. And then jumping over to the New Testament, just one verse is necessary. Acts chapter 9, verse 31 It says, then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It increased in numbers. So we see that the early church did not abandon this concept of the fear of the Lord, but instead they were living in the fear of the Lord. They saw it as the mode of their living was the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord. And they were encouraged by the Holy Spirit. They were living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. And because they were living in the fear of the Lord, encouraged by the Holy Spirit, they increased in numbers. So what we see in this verse is that if we, as a body, learn how to live in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, we will increase in numbers. This is the means by which God is able to multiply us. If we embrace the fear of the Lord. What I wish to suggest to you today is that there are actually two fears of the Lord, one demonic and one divine. There is a demonic fear of the Lord and there is a divine fear of the Lord. And going back to Exodus 20, verses 18 through 21, we can see both forms of the fear of the Lord manifesting in the same place, and we can very clearly and easily distinguish between them. Now, I want to give you the context of this passage so you understand what's going on here. This is Exodus chapter 20. God in Exodus 1 through 3 calls Moses and then sends him from chapter 4 on back to Egypt to say, let my people go. The ten plagues come on Egypt. Finally, Pharaoh lets them go. They pass through the Red Sea as on dry ground, and then the waters come crashing around Pharaoh's army, and the people are crying out among the gods who is like you. Glorious in praises, fearful. Glorious in holiness and fearful in praises, doing wonders. So they're having this party on the other side of the Red Sea. They've been delivered from their bondage in Egypt, and they journey from the Red Sea 47 days to Mount Sinai, they sanctified themselves for three days. And on the 50th day, which is also the day of Pentecost, that's what the word Pentecost means, is 50. God comes and sits on the mountain. I mean, he he reveals his glory on that mountain. And the mountain starts melting under the presence of God. There was a physical, visible manifestation of the glory of God. Now, how would you feel if God came and sat on the mountain up here above us or on the hill up here above us and the hill was on fire and it was no fire that could be put out by water? This is the fire of the glory and presence of God. And in the, from the mountain, they're hearing the blast of trumpets and the sound of words. So there's fire, there's thunder, there's lightning, there's trumpets, and then God speaks out of the mountain and says, I am Yahweh Eloheinu who brought you out of Egypt on eagle's wings. 
I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt on the eagle's wings. And when the people see it, they start to back away from the mountain. Verse 18, when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. That's the fear of the Lord, right? They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. So the kind of fear of the Lord that transpired in the people in this moment was this kind of fear. If we get too close to God, we die. It was fear of being in his presence. It was fear of being close to him. And it was the kind of fear that caused them to want to run and hide from the presence of the Lord. Now Moses understands. Moses is given discernment in this moment, and he understands what's happening. And look what he says in verse 20. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Translation, wrong kind of fear of the Lord. Moses says to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you. (laughs) You see that? Moses says, don't be afraid. God's come to teach you how to fear him. Don't be afraid. God has come to make you afraid. He's not throwing out the fear of the Lord. He's saying you've misinterpreted the fear of the Lord. You're moving in the wrong kind of fear of the Lord. I'm going to teach you the right kind of fear of the Lord. When this is over, you're always going to fear him, but in a different way. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. This is the kind of fear of the Lord by which you will depart from iniquity. If you have this kind of fear of the Lord, you will depart from iniquity. And Moses is literally saying the kind of fear of the Lord that you are operating in right now will not enable you to depart from iniquity. Because what are they fearing right now? Punishment. The kind of fear of the Lord they're moving in at the moment is fear of his punishment, fear of his wrath. His presence equals his wrath. His wrath equals his punishment. Therefore, closeness to God means punishment. Wrath. And their response to that is the natural response. When you come into the presence of someone that you think is going to kill you, your natural response is to back away and run away. And this fear of the Lord is causing them to depart from the Lord. A fear that causes you to depart from the Lord will not empower you to depart from iniquity. Because if you're departing from the Lord, what are you departing to? Iniquity. When you run from God, you run straight into the arms of iniquity. You cannot run from God and run from iniquity simultaneously. You can only run from one to the other. And so a lot of people think, man, if I just had more fear of the Lord, more fear of his punishment, I could live clean. No, you can't. Fear of his punishment doesn't make you clean. It prohibits you from becoming clean. It's the kind of fear of the Lord that makes you not want to go to church because you feel condemned. It's the fear of the Lord that makes you want to separate yourself from the fellowship of the brethren because you feel condemned, because you feel ashamed. It's the kind of fear of the Lord that causes you to say stuff like, let me get my life in order first. 
Let me get myself together first, as if you could get yourself together first, as if you could separate yourself from God and get yourself together. Running from God causes you to run right into the arms of iniquity. Moses says, this is not the right kind of fear of the Lord, and this will not protect you from sinning. Now look at verse 21. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Moses says, let me show you what the fear of the Lord does for me. And he turns toward the cloud and enters it. Let me show you what the fear of the Lord does for me. It draws me closer to him. Let me show you what the fear of the Lord does for me. It causes me to run to him. Demonic fear of the Lord causes you to run from him. Divine fear of the Lord causes you to run to him. Moses, in making this declaration, presents himself as an exemplar of the right kind of fear of the Lord. He says, I'll show you the fear of the Lord. And he turns and he enters the cloud. He goes right into the scary place. Right into the place that the people are afraid of. The place that the people are backing away from. He says, I'll show you the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord causes me to run to him. And this demonic fear of the Lord, the New Testament calls it the spirit of fear. This is what Paul was talking about in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. God has not given you a spirit of bondage to fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. The spirit of fear will always cause you to run away from God. This is what John was talking about in 1 John 4, 18, where he says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out all fear. Why? Because fear has to do with punishment. And so if your fear has to do with punishment, it's not the right kind of fear of the Lord. It's the spirit of fear from which God has delivered you. God wants to perfect you in love so that you no longer fear his punishment. Because if you fear his punishment, you'll run from him. And we see this throughout the entirety of Scripture, don't we? Go all the way back to the garden. In Genesis chapter, what is it, 3? Where Adam and Eve heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And what did they do? They hear God coming. They hid themselves. They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Verse 9, but God, the Lord God, called to the man, where are you? And what did he say in verse 10? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid. I heard you coming and I had to run because I was afraid. Why were you afraid? Because I had messed up. It's a spirit of fear, Adam. Spirit of fear causes you to run from God because you messed up. Spirit of fear causes you to anticipate his his, his punishment instead of his promises. As a child of God, you're not supposed to anticipate his punishment. You're supposed to anticipate his promises. Even if you messed up, you come to him anticipating his promises. You know, like, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's his promises. Repent and believe the gospel. That's his promises. You're supposed to anticipate his promises. Even in your worst moment, you anticipate his promises. Even in your most fallen moment, even in your most broken moment, even in the depths of your shame, you approach him when you anticipate his promises. 
Adam, why are you running from me? Where are you? I didn't create you to run from me. I created you to run to me. Can you imagine how different the story would have been if Adam and Eve would have messed up and then said, let's go to God and tell him we messed up. Let's just go straight to him and fall on our knees before him and say, Father, we sinned against heaven and against you. We're no longer worthy to be called your children like the story of the prodigal son. I will arise and return to my father. I'm going to run to him. My fear has caused me to live far away from him. But now there's hope born in me that says, run to the father. He'll restore you. There's restoration in him. There's forgiveness in him. You know what I see is the most important passage in the Bible about the true fear of the Lord that we're supposed to have? Psalm chapter 51, verse 10 and following. Create in me a clean heart. This is after David murdered Uriah, stole his wife Bathsheba. I mean, this is after David had committed the grossest sin. How does he respond? Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Verse 11, this is the fear of the Lord in its purest form. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Do you you hear the fear in David's voice? Don't cast me away from you. Whatever you do, don't cast me away from your presence. Please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. This is the true fear of the Lord. Not fear of being close to God, fear of being apart from him. Fear that I'm going to live apart from him. Fear that I'm going to spend one moment outside of his presence. Fear that he's going to lift his anointing off me like he lifted it off of King Saul. David watched God lift the anointing right off of King Saul. He saw the Holy Spirit left Saul. He saw the Holy Spirit left Samson. He had heard stories that Samson didn't know that the Lord had left him. David heard stories of God leaving people. And the greatest fear in his heart was, God, don't leave me like you left Saul. Don't leave me like you left Samson. Don't depart from me, please. Whatever I have to do, I'll do it. Just don't depart from me. Don't cast me from your presence like he sent Uh, Abel, I mean, he sent Cain. He cast Cain away from his presence. He sent him to dwell in the land of Nod. Don't cast me away from your presence like you cast off Cain. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me like you took it away from Saul. Please restore to me the joy of your salvation and renew a willing spirit to sustain me. That's the fear of the Lord. I'm scared of being separated from God. I'm scared of waking up one morning and I'm not near him. I'm I'm not scared of being close to him. I'm scared of not being close to him. I'm not scared of his promises. I'm scared of living outside of his favor. I'm scared that I'm going to start living by my own strength and by my own power. And I'm going to lean on my own understanding and not on his power. I'm not scared of coming close. I'm scared of being far. What did David say? All those who are far from you shall perish. You destroy those who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. That's what David says. It's so good to be near God. In 2007, my wife and I went to Rome for a conference. 
I'll never forget that conference as long as I live. And the conference itself was cool. But something happened to me at that conference. I don't think it happened to anybody else. But the moment the conference started, the Spirit of God came to me, settled in upon my consciousness. I felt his nearness in a way that I hadn't felt his nearness maybe ever. It was unique. It was different. And it was his, his presence was so real to me and so thick that we were only in Rome maybe four or five days, something like that. But the entire time, from the moment I woke up in the morning to the moment I laid my head on the pillow at night, I felt that presence with me. We were walking through Rome, and I'm just, just feeling the glory of God. We're in the Vatican. I'm feeling the glory of God. We go to the hotel. I'm feeling the glory of God. We go to the conference sessions. I'm just sensing the presence and the nearness of God. And the closer we came to ending that conference, the fear started to be birthed in me. God, don't take this away. Don't let this stop. Don't take this from me, please. Whatever you do, don't remove this from me. Don't let this go. I don't want to lose this. Whatever I have to do to preserve this, I'll do it. When you become conscious of the presence of God, of the glory of God, of the Spirit of God, when God starts visiting you and you start to truly experience the presence of God and the glory of God, the natural result is the fear of the Lord. God, don't take this from me. Don't remove this from me. Don't let me depart from this. Don't cast me away from your presence, O Lord. And don't take your Holy Spirit from me. And I'll never forget getting on the plane to go home. And it was like the further we flew from Rome, the more that manifestation started to lift from me. And I felt it slipping through my fingers like sand. And my heart, I just began to weep in my heart. Don't take this away from me. And as that experience began to wane, the cry in my heart to come back. Lord, bring me back to that burning bush or to the burning mountain. You choose. When you've truly encountered the presence of God, number one, the first thing you understand is that the experience doesn't last forever. The feeling doesn't last forever, and it's not designed to. Because otherwise you get addicted to the feeling. And eventually you replace God with the feeling. You don't care if God's there or not, you just want the feeling. And this is what happens in every revival in history is that people get addicted to the feelings and end up forsaking God for the feelings. And what ends up happening is even when God stops doing the stuff that we like, we keep doing it in the flesh because we just like it so much. You know, I've seen moves of the spirit where the Holy Spirit comes so strong, nobody can stand. Everybody's knocked to the floor under the power of God. It's called being slain in the spirit. How many have ever experienced being slain in the spirit? Lift your hand. Yeah, so if you've experienced, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When it's real, there's nothing, I mean, there's nothing like it. It's like, like literally God comes on you so strong that your physical frame can't sustain it. I remember the first time it happened to me, I was standing at the altar and the pastor just touched me with, with her middle finger on the forehead, barely touched me. And I opened up my eyes and I was on the floor about 10, 15 feet away. I don't even know what happened. I don't know if I floated or if I flew or if I was, man, my friend was so scared, he called 911. And somebody had to come and say, no, no, brother, it was the Holy Spirit. That's, that's all right. 
But that overwhelming, tangible manifestation of the glory of God was so strong on me. I'll never forget it. The whole night I, I went home and I was just sitting there like, whoo, Lord, you're so real. You're so good. Lord, you are good. Your mercy endures forever. But that, that, that feeling lifts. And I, I've been a part of churches where I've seen moves of the Spirit like that when revival is poured out. And all, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit stops doing that. But people are still falling. They call it courtesy falls. You know what a courtesy? How many have ever courtesy fallen before? Come on, be honest. You courtesy fallen? Yep. See, yep. There's. We got all of. I've courtesy where where the pre. It's just like the preacher needs it. You know what I mean? Where the preacher's laying hands, and you just finally realize he needs to feel anointed. So, all right. (laughs) Is there a catcher? You look back, make sure there's a catcher. That's how you can tell it's a courtesy fall if they look back first. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? We're just, we just need God to do this. We need him to do it so bad that even when he stops, we'll continue. We'll continue. The fear of the Lord is not the fear of the loss of an experience. It's the fear of the loss of the indwelling. It's the fear of the loss of the sweet fellowship because the experience lifts, but the fellowship doesn't. The experience lifts, but the fellowship doesn't. He doesn't leave me. Experiences come and go, but he does not come and go. He dwells with me forever. And God will give you the discernment to know the difference between the experience and the indwelling. And when the experience stops, you continue to fellowship with his indwelling. And the fear of the Lord continues to sustain you. The fear of the Lord continues to be the key to his treasure. That Lord, I just, just if you ever depart from me, I'm lost. If you ever cast me away from your presence, I'm lost. Because let me say something to you. Listen, every single one, there's not a single one of us in this room that is not capable of the grossest sin if God were ever to depart from us. If God ever, there's not a single one of us is righteous or holy in and of ourselves. Any righteousness, any holiness that any of us have, it's because of the indwelling of God. It is only the Holy Spirit that makes us holy. It is only the righteousness of Christ that makes us righteous. And when we come to grips with this and we understand that, Lord, If there's any righteousness in me, it's because of your indwelling. It's because of your presence. It's because you're with me. It's because you didn't turn. If there's anything that I avoided, and you know, often, you know, you hear people boast about what they haven't done. You know what I'm talking about? I had a pastor friend. I was at his church one time. He was like, my wife has never heard me cuss before. You know, and you start boasting about what you never did. I was like, well, what has she heard? Because I'm thinking in my mind, well, what has she heard you do? <laughs> that means she saw or heard you do some other stuff, but maybe she never heard you cuss. You know, it's like people who boast, of, you know, Chris Rock talked about people who boast about stuff you post to do. You know what I'm talking about? I ain't never been to jail. You're not supposed to go to jail. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I take care of my kids. You're supposed to take care of your kids. You know what I mean? There is no boasting. No boasting in Christ. I could boast about never doing this or never. I, listen, can I tell you, there's stuff I've never been addicted to simply because I never tried it. Yeah. And the fact that I never tried it is grace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not works. Yeah. Nobody can boast of their own right. Nobody, none of us have none. There are none that are righteous. No, not one. Yeah. All of our righteousness is filthy rags before God. The only difference 
Is God with me? Christ in me, the hope of glory. And so what if we woke up in the morning with that cry, oh Lord, draw me closer. Draw me closer so that I don't live today by my own power. The fear of the Lord causes you to seek him. The fear of the Lord causes you to wake up in the middle of the night seeking his face. The fear of the Lord causes you to wake up in the morning seeking his face. The fear of the Lord causes you to draw closer. Listen, if in your relationship with Christ there is no power that is drawing you closer, then you are living without the fear of the Lord. And you cannot grow in Christ without the fear of the Lord. There is no encouragement of the Holy Spirit without the fear of the Lord, Acts 9.31. The encouragement of the Holy Spirit comes from the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Fear of being separated. And the response to that fear of the Lord is I am convinced, as Paul would say, that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will ever be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. But if you're not walking in the fear of the Lord, then that verse is an answer to a question that you're not asking. Because if you're not walking in the fear of the Lord, you've never worried about being separated from Him. If you're not walking in the fear of the Lord, you're living by your own strength and you're fine with that. If you're not walking in the fear of the Lord, you've never had a desire to be closer to Him. There's never been a longing in you that's woke you up in the night or woke you up in the morning or rested your heart in the middle of the day. And so the promise that nothing can separate us from the love of God is completely irrelevant to one who is not walking in the fear of the Lord. But that verse is properly a response to those who would say with David, do not cast me away from your presence. Please, whatever you do, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And the scripture says, as a father has compassion upon his children, so the Lord has mercy on those who fear him. There's nothing more delightful to the Lord than a heart that is gripped by the fear of the Lord. The kind of fear of the Lord that does not drive you away from Him, but it draws you close. That kind of fear of the Lord is founded on the premise of His goodness. Because when He draws close to me because He is good, He doesn't draw close to me to judge me or to punish me. He draws close to me to strengthen me, to cleanse me, to empower me, and to bless me. Bow your heads and let's pray. Worship team, come on back. Lord, I pray that you would release in every heart and every soul the knowledge of your goodness that would cause us to fear you with right fear. And I pray today for a, a mighty deliverance for every soul that has been bound by the demonic fear of the Lord, the spirit of fear that causes us to depart from you. Release within us the fear of the Lord that causes us to run to you. 
For Lord, for many of us today, we can look back over our lives and see that I've constantly been running from you, turning away from you, turning from you. This is the nature of unbelief. It gives me a wicked heart that causes me to turn from the living God. Unbelief is the fruit of the spirit of fear. Fear of your punishment. Fear of your wrath. Lord, I pray that you deliver us from that spirit of fear and replace it with the true fear of the Lord. That we, like Moses, might turn and enter the cloud of your glory. That we, like Moses, might not run from the mountain, but might run to the mountain. Might not run from the presence, but might run to the presence. Deliver us from the spirit that caused Adam and Eve to hide behind the bush. And release in us the spirit that caused David to cry out, Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within us. Heal us of our hiding, our turning, our departing from you. Our hearts that turn astray, that all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned each one to his own way. But give us the spirit that causes us to return to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. Oh Lord, I pray today that you would establish us in this fear of the Lord today. The real, the true fear of the Lord. And break from us the spirit of fear. And give us the discernment to know the difference between the two. Because, Lord, so many of us have believed that we have had the fear of the Lord when all we've done is feared your punishment. So many of us have believed that we have possessed the fear of the Lord, but yet have been running from you. The fear of the Lord that would cause us not to trust you. The spirit of fear always causes us not to trust you. Lord, like the man in the parable of the talents who buried his talent in the ground, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, and so I was afraid. I knew that you reap where you don't sow, that you gather where you have not scattered seed, and so I was afraid. Lord, so many of us are burying our talents because we think of you as a hard man, and so we're afraid, and it, our fear causes us to turn away from you. But God, I pray for a reverential fear that causes us to approach you. It says, this is too valuable for me to miss. I'm scared to death that I'm going to live apart from your presence. Like David, when he first tried to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem in 1 Chronicles 13, and Uzzah stretched out his hand to touch the Ark, and you struck him dead. And the scripture said that David was afraid of God that day, and he sent the ark to the home of Obed-Edom. But after three months, he heard that the house of Obed-Edom was blessed because of the ark of God. A new fear was born in David, a fear of missing out on your blessings, a fear of being apart from your favor. And he said, I'm going to figure out how to do this right. The fear of the Lord that caused him to call the priests together and say, open the book and find out how do we do this right? Because I'm so afraid that we're going to live outside of the presence. I'm so afraid that we're going to be separated from the glory. And that fear of the Lord empowered him, enabled him to do it right. 
to bring the ark of God to the city of Jerusalem and to establish it in the tabernacle of David and to appoint priests, Asaph and the rest of the Levite priests to proclaim the goodness of God. And they stood on that day and said, give thanks to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. It was the fear of the Lord that brought the ark back to the city of Jerusalem. The fear of being apart from him not the fear of being close to him. And Father, may that fear of the Lord be burn, burning in our hearts today that would cause us to bring the ark of your presence back to the Jerusalem of our hearts. To bring the ark of your presence back to the Jerusalem of our hearts. Not to leave it over in the home of Obed-Edom. I pray for divine jealousy that we would look at the lives of others where the ark of, co of, the, of the covenant of God dwells in their hearts and their, their lives are blessed because of your presence. Make us jealous of those who live close to you. So much so that our hearts say, I will arise and return to my father. I'm going to get the ark of God back in the Jerusalem of my heart because I'm so afraid of living apart from him. Holy Spirit, come and heal the fractures and the broken places in our hearts where we have been so wounded that we're running from you because we are wounded. God, I pray that we would run to you because we have been wounded, that we would run to you because we've been broken, that the cry would be heard, come let us return to the Lord. For he has wounded us, but he will heal us. For he has broken us, but he will bind up our wounds. On the third day, he will return to us. He will come to us like rain, like spring rain. Father, I pray, restore us. Restore us. Let every heart burn with the fear of the Lord. Let every heart burn with the fear of the Lord. And may the fear of the Lord be the beginning of wisdom. And may it be the beginning of knowledge. And may it add length to our lives. And may it add strength to our days. And may it cause us to depart from iniquity, O oh God. And may it cause us to run to you with all of our hearts. May these words settle into every heart and every soul and bring clarity and bring illumination and bring revelation by the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray. In Jesus' precious, holy, mighty name. Amen and amen and amen. Let's stand to our feet and lift up our hands. And let's just worship the Lord just, just for a moment. How could I run from you when all my life you have been faithful? How can I run from you when all my life you've been so, so good? How can I run from you? How can I? I love you, Lord. You have led me through the darkness. I love you, Lord, my strength. All my days you've been faithful. And I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. All of my life, all my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am 
goodness of God. First verse. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercies never fails me. And all my days I've been held in your hand. From the moment, from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Second verse, I love your voice. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire in darkest night. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I will sing in the goodness of God. And all of my life, all my life, you have been faithful. All of my life. Of the goodness of God. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Oh, your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Oh, with my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running. And all my life you have been faithful. All of my life, all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Whatever you do. Whatever you have to do, get free from that spirit of fear today. Get free from that spirit of fear today. Whatever you have to do, make a decision. I'm not going to live in that spirit of fear that causes me to run away from God. I'm not going to live in that spirit of fear that causes me to turn away. I'm not going to live. Get free from that spirit of fear today. Oh God, that you would deliver me from the spirit of fear and that you would establish me in the fear of the Lord. Just, just, just pray into that, just for 30 seconds. Come on, right now, just open up your mouth and pray into that right now. Deliver me from the spirit of fear and establish me in the fear of the Lord. Jesus, 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 Jesus. 
Come on, pray out loud. Let your voice be heard this morning. Holy Spirit, do it in every heart and in every soul and in every heart and in every soul. Do it this morning. God, wake us up this morning, God. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Oh, God, oh, God, wake us up this morning, God. Wake us up this morning. Oh, my God, my God, my God, my God, my God. Wake us up today, God. Wake us up to the fear of the Lord today, God. Establish us in the fear of the Lord today, God. Establish us in the fear of the Lord. Oh, God. Jesus, 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 Jesus. I just pray that some intensity would be born in you today. Some resolve would be born in you today. That there would just be a wake-up revival in your spirit today. I need something more. I'm longing to run to him. I'm longing to run to him. I'm longing to run to him with more intensity than I've ever ran before. Jesus, do it in us, God. We believe you to do it. We trust you to do it. And Lord, I pray that this prayer would far exceed the boundaries of this service that this would be our prayer in the night, that you would wake us up even in the night seasons. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. If you need special prayer, we have altar workers here who have been trained and appointed to pray for you. Some of you just might not want to leave till you get free from that.